Welcome to another episode of Story Mode, a video game podcast. Join us as we discuss a few of the exciting key three announcements you may have missed over the last crazy couple weeks. So, for more Story Mode content, follow us at Story Mode AUS and enjoy the show. I'll be coming over to Melbourne for PAX. I'll also be there the week before for family reasons. Um, and I've got like a good four day period where I'm like, what am I doing? I've got nothing booked in. I've got nothing planned. And the problem is it's right in the middle of the week. So I can't, you know. Well, you're not going to, you're not going to day drink. You're not going to like week weekday drink. Uh, week, you're out for drinks, dude. But aren't you going to be working? Don't give a fuck. <laughs> there we go. That's the answer I was hoping for. What are you all about? <laughs> um, but also, uh, it, it's it's quite funny because I'm also talking with my partner about going to Japan, um, probably towards the end of next year, because I really want to go. Uh, she really wants to go. It's now that we can... F- Simon, Simon, you host a video game podcast. We know you want to go to Japan. Of course, okay? yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I play Final Fantasy fourteen. Of course I want to fucking go. <laughs> I can't wait till you go. I'm going to share so many like tips and tricks and places to go. That's the thing. Like, there's, the problem got, is, is that in like the complete opposite to Melbourne, I'm like, there is so much I want to do. How do I squeeze this all down to like a two-week period? But I have a, you back. I have a general plan, which is start in Tokyo, be there for like two, three nights, and then go elsewhere like Kyoto, Osaka, um, you know, a few other cool places, and then end up back in Tokyo for maybe the last, again, two days or so. So then I can do all the shopping that I want to do. Go to, you know, Super Potato, Don Quixote, and, you know, all of the cool, all of the really cool shops. But the problem is, it's just Simon, figuring out what you, I'm doing in between. You affable, basic bitch. <laughs> okay. <laughs> At least I'm affable. No. Exactly. I'll wear that as a badge of honor. You will. Li- I'm not. This. This is an order. Okay. Oh, okay. You go to Osaka first. You want to start, start in Osaka. Okay. The reason you want to start in Osaka, Osaka's got really underrated food, great nightlife, mm. like. Places don't close. Yeah. Plus, it also is home to um, uh, not Disney Studios. USJ. Uh, what, what is it? USJ, Universal Studios, Japan. Universal Studios, yeah. <laughs> the acronyms, you bloody whatever. <laughs> I, I've been reading um, so Universal much Studios. manga on my phone, it's all just so, USJ. You want to go to the Spider-Man 4D ride? Believe me, it is the best. I think it was voted the best ride in the world a few years ago. Oh, sh- okay. Um, so and so my partner and I, we lined up like numerous times to go on this one ride. Um, my second tip is they may have like anime manga events and stuff there. It's a roll of the dice. For mm. example, they had a Resident Evil um, experience that you could do. And you actually go into a massive warehouse, which they've done up to look at the Raccoon City TV studio. And you go through, you do challenges and stuff like that. To a, it's, a, it's a massive escape room, which was rad. Then on the same day, we lined up for four hours to go on Attack on the Titan experience. All it was is you go through these hallways with like life-size realistic cast of the characters, 
but it's slight spoiler alert. And look, I'm not up to date with Attack on Titan, so I'm, I'm quite way behind. But I think season one, you know that scene where uh, Levi's team gets absolutely just whomped yeah. in that forest? Yeah. It's that. So you're just looking at these very high quality polystone, like resin versions of these mangled corpses. And then you get to the end and you get to touch MacArthur's face. <laughs> Which is pretty cool. Uh, although, to be fair, I, I also went there when they had Monster Hunter stuff, and that, I wish I went there yeah. when I liked Monster like, Now that I, I, I'm more into Monster Hunter. Anyway, you want to start there? You want to get the. I, I also recommend going to Hiroshima. Mm. Very underrated um, yeah. place. And obviously, for obvious reasons, like you want to go do the uh, the Peace Park and stuff like that. It's very, very impactful. Um, Kyoto. Kyoto's on my end list. In, end in Tokyo. Kyoto is the greatest place on earth. <laughs> I, I adore Kyoto. I think you'll um, appreciate Kyoto more than Tokyo. Probably. Um, um, the, the and plus there's a bunch of places there. But my biggest basic, affable basic bitch swipe at you is a lot of people, I think before they go to Japan, they're like, oh, I want to go to like um, uh, Akihabara and all, all the like sweet potato and stuff like that. Look, those places are fine, but they are, they're just tourist traps. The place you want to cl- go is a place called Book Off. I, I know, told you about I know Book of Off Book before. Off. I know so for those off. who aren't aware, Book Off is like a secondhand bookstore. They also have like games and DVDs and blah, blah, blah. But it's very high quality. They they make sure that everything is up to like the pristine condition. They laser off like a tenth of a millimeter off the edges of books. So they seem brand new. But wait, wait, give me one sec. I've got, <laughs> I've got a bunch of this stuff here. <laughs> <laughs> real Wouldn't it have been hilarious kills if the whole shelf just fell on him? No, I I gotta be out of here by nine o'clock, guys. I don't have time for him to pull it all back together. He's my my Metal Gear Solid Three Snake Eater official guide. The basics. That looks amazing. That does look. But look, gorgeous. look at that edge. Like it's brand new. Yeah. I got a bunch of Metal Gear Solid stuff. It's all Japanese. Um, oh, fun. Got a bunch of Resident Evil books. Uh, got like a. Japanese copy of Jack and Daxter of Jack 2, which is pretty cool. It's like alternate cover art. That's where you want to go. That's where your money goes. Mm. Um, and also the uh, Yerubashi in Kyoto, which is a happy, literally maybe my happiest place on earth. Oh. Because there is an entire floor dedicated to model kits. That's cool. Zoids, um, obviously Gundam, yeah, real yeah. world stuff. Uh, we may be getting there as well next year. <laughs> there's there's one thing I really want to check out in Kyoto, and it's the stupidest thing. But I want to go see the Nintendo HQ because it, oh, it's rad. Huh? But yeah. it looks so boring. Like the outside of that building yeah. is the most boring goddamn thing, and then on the inside, it's like just you know some of the some of my favorite games ever have been created inside of there. You- by the time you go next year, across the road, they're building the second office. Yeah. So that will probably be in construction. But there's a bunch of places like that. You want to go to Artnia, the Final Fantasy Cafe. Yes, Artnia I do. Is stunning. I do. I want to go um, to the Final Fantasy 14. The Capcom restaurant. The Capcom. The robot the, restaurant. The Monster Hunter Ooh, restaurant buddy. in Osaka is one thing I definitely yep. want to check out because, ugh. Monster Hunter we don't food. have enough off here. We don't have enough, like, themed restaurants and bars and shit. What was that one you guys were telling me about um, maybe about a year or so ago? Uh, you get the massive tomahawk steak, and you just sort of vaguely Viking themed. Oh, Mjolnir! It's not vague. 
Oh, no, no. He <laughs> whomps you across the head with an axe. <laughs> um, well, well, we'll be going to Mjolnir when you're down. Yeah, yeah, of course. Dude, tell us the days you're free and I got you, buddy. Yeah. Okay. All right. We'll, we'll figure some shit out. It'll be good. I've got, got a few places I can take you. Um, but. My legs are itchy. Guys, I redid my PC this weekend. Nice. I've had this new case. I got it for my birthday last December. And I've had it sitting there mocking me. And I was kind of worried that if I try and do anything, I'll break it. Mm. And then I started having the excuse of, because we're going to get Ethernet ports and stuff in the house. Oh, that's my excuse of why I haven't done it. And then it was a, my excuse became, oh, but I want to get like special cables. And I kept pushing it back because I was scared I was going to fuck it up. On the weekend, I had nothing else to do. So I just went for it. And it was fiddly <laughs> and time consuming. And oh, yeah. why wouldn't you make your little booklet? I'm looking at you, thermal take. Make your little manual. If you're going to make a manual, make a fucking manual. Don't give me like, now install motherboard. You've given me seven packs of screws, all with different screws in them. And just like, use the screws. Which ones, thermal take? Which ones? I had to work it all out. There's a whole whole thing. And then there's all these like extra parts because it's such like a modular case. I'm like, oh no, what have I done <laughs> wrong? But guys, it works. That's Hence good. me recording, which is good. It looks real pretty. I have a vertical screen now. I'm in the 21st century. Welcome. Maybe even the 22nd. Nice to join us. No, you talk. You live in Perth, buddy. <laughs> okay. hey. You're not there yet. The only person living in the, in the present or the future is Keelan. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I said I'm, I'm in the 21st century. I have 22 years to catch up from modern day Perth to the rest of the world, but I'll get there. I'll get there. You, you, you steampunk Perth. <laughs> <laughs> everything's all, I say everything's, everything's all coal powered. No, that's just Australia. Yeah. But Keelan, I, I did panic to you a few times, Keelan. Um, I, I didn't have any thermal paste, and let's just say I am currently raw dogging it, <laughs> as they say. Not quite. Yikes. <laughs> oh, no, no, I, I put my dick in my PC a few times. Um, nice. Look, there's a thin film. I'm not raw dogging it, but I'm using, like, I don't know, baking paper as a condom. Oh, no. Not literally. I'm not actually a baking paper, and that was just a very strange euphemism I decided to use. That is revolting. Thanks, man. <laughs> Speaking of revolting, I got to hang out with Keelan face-to-face this weekend, which we don't get to do enough. We went to a, a bloody live music event for the children. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. It was a good night. We went and saw um, a great few, few local lads, North Plain, Pliny, and our sweet kings in the Sleep Token. Wow. It's good going back to live music, man. Yeah, I know. That's like... This I've gone to more live shows this year than I have in the past like five years, um, and it's been awesome. It was um, very on brand though during the end when Kill and I, our, our old, you know, thirty-year-old decrepit bodies, could not be in that mosh pit any longer. So we're kind of chilling at the back, and we were talking about video games while bands played. Fantastic. <laughs> it was all. It was just it, we realized everything wrong with us. Uh, we also, yeah, look plenty we had a great time uh i don't want to say mocking but 
mocking the concept of North Lane's latest album. Uh, I have a song about the Matrix, about a character from the Matrix, Cypher. The Matrix came out like 20 years ago. Yeah. So, look. How about save the heat that people are giving Naughty Dog for remaking Last of Us Part 1. Give some of that heat to North Lane for writing a song about Cypher from the Matrix. They, okay, so <laughs> Jesse's not kidding. The song is literally about Cypher from the Matrix. Oh. The first lyric is turn Cypher. me into a battery. <gasps> Okay. Holy shit, I'm going to do a Photoshop of, of Cypher with some glasses on eating a steak and call them Cypher. Oh, hell yeah. Um, That's pretty cool, man. And, the, and the, the music sounds like, you know, like the soundtrack to that huge rave that they have in the, the first Matrix? It's the first one, right? Second one, no. Second one. It's the second one, okay. Well, yeah, they have the a huge rave. The first one, they're flirting, and the second one, they have the orgy. Rave slash orgy, and uh, yeah, that's a... It would sound totally in place if uh, you played that that music over it. It's amazing. Oh, masterstroke. <laughs> well, speaking of orgies, the last few weeks have been an orgy of gaming news that we have had to wade our damp bodies through. But obviously, when you do that, there's going to be a few bits left behind. So what we're going to do today is go through what we left sort of on the cutting room floor. What are some slightly forgotten, maybe slightly looked over uh, topics off the non-E3 slash E3 week slash key three, which I've becoming very attached to that term. Um, look, some of these are a little bit bigger than, than others. These are just things we didn't have space to um, talk about, despite having two episodes last week. It's been very, very busy. Yeah. First up, actually, before we even go through that, what did you think of the Summer Game Mess? This week of kind of broken up events well, and everything was- how, how did it, how did you feel because i know we have mixed opinions on, on e3 um for various reasons but how did this sort of compare well it was more like two weeks wasn't it been more like a month yeah <laughs> and yeah. It, it's not really it's not over yet because it, no. rumor is i know there's a nintendo xenoblade um, direct soon, oh but I've got a feeling they're going to do another one. I don't know. I've got that feeling in my bones, but it looks like I'm, I'm very certain that Sony's going to have one because these rumors about obviously Ragnarok gameplay and a date. We're going to have to have that soon. And these rumors about a new pro controller of really building steam. Mm. And I'm very keen to see what that, what they're like. Also, so the fact I think we're still kind of in the throes of it. Also like PSVR two was kind of weirdly announced in the middle of everything. Sort of like, well, yeah, we, this is coming for PSVR 2. Cool. What does that look no, like? Well, PS, well, PSVR 2 was announced two, three months, two, about two months ago, three, three months ago. So we've seen the hand controllers. We've seen the games. But yeah, what does the headset look like? Yeah. Because I know it. Okay. We know it's wireless for one. And we know that it is a substantial update. Like it, it is a really, really impressive piece of tech. Um, I think the thing that I'm keen for is that price point because I think it's going to make me cry. Yeah, that's yeah. true. And it's quite interesting though, because you, you've sort of touched upon something that I find quite interesting is how VR technology in and of itself has improved quite a lot in just the past few years. And I think that's, I think, I think we're like really sort of approaching that like crucial moment for VR as a gaming experience where soon there's not going to be as many restrictions. 
it's going to be way more accessible, hopefully way more affordable. And I genuinely hope that PSVR 2 is going to be the one to really sort of kickstart that proper movement. Because don't get me wrong, I love VR. I think VR is really fun. I do think there is a potential for it to be not the future of gaming, but a future in gaming. And like much much like mobile gaming is is separate. It's its own sort of separate bubble to PC gaming, which is separate to console gaming. I think VR gaming is going to be part of that. And I just I just really want to see some like knockout titles for it. I really want to see just stuff that's going to blow people away and it will be a genuinely viable option. And I want to see PSVR 2 bring that in. I think I've been saying this since we started doing this podcast 121 episodes ago. I want to do a VR-focused episode where we talk about VR as a whole. My worry with VR gaming, and we'll get back to the point that I tried to bring up before about E3, but sticking to VR here, the games will get better. Of course they will. The graphical fidelity will get better. The tracking will get better. I think the really hard limit on VR is spatial because rooms are only so big and you're gonna start knocking shit over like where do you go from there because the coolest thing about this sort of latest leap in vr is for me at least the touch controllers you really do feel like you're in that world when mm. i played like robo recall years ago that was to me the defining moment of my vr experience i've always fucked around with vr because i've found it fascinating um and plus these new one touch sense control what are they called these playstation ones Whatever they're called. I have no idea. Um, I can't, like, you know, throw my arms around too much or move around too much because I've got limited space. And the same with, like, your Oculus and blah, blah, blah. Cool, it's wireless. That's a lot. That's really helpful, but I still can't, you know, wave my arms two meters to my left because I'm going to knock, you know, into a wall or something like that. So it'd be interesting to see if that sort of hard limit, literally hard limit, um, affects things. But... Going back to to key three E three week, Keelan, how how did you feel about about it compared to a traditional E three? So, you probably know this, but I don't like having these big weeks with all these big announcements and stuff. I much prefer your directs, your states of play, your showcases, just spread throughout the year. Drop those big announcements throughout the year and keep the hype train rolling, rather than having like a big old smack bang pile of crap thrown at you all at once because stuff gets lost and we saw that so so clearly today that's what today's whole episode is about like that's that's what upset me so yeah anyway could it be a double double edged sword because i i personally really like e3 like these i i like june in gaming because it's such a celebration of the medium Mm. because every day there is just big news and it's just it's exciting it's been a little bit more muted this year because there hasn't been, you know, this is the game that's coming out in four years, three years time, except for Todd Howard announcing that Fallout is indeed going to come after Elder Scrolls 6. Cheers, mate. <laughs> awesome news. Um, we haven't had those those moments yet. Sony's coming up. Um, but I feel like a lot of these small news stories, like the ones we're going to go through today and a lot of the ones we've seen so far, I actually wouldn't have paid attention to them at all. But because they were kind of under the wing of some of the bigger titles. I I, I stayed around for them. Hmm. So I, I think it, it kind of works a little bit both ways. I, I, I'm i actually the opposite. I liked it a few years ago when it was more, I guess, 
in comparison, laser focus, where it was like three or four days and they were, that's all you're getting. But every few hours, <laughs> there was a mm. massive showcase on. This one was a bit annoying because it was very staggered and you, you didn't have that predictable pattern of like, okay, it's like Sony, Ubisoft, blah, blah, blah. Uh, I, I found that a little bit annoying, especially being, you know, a, a video game outlet, <laughs> whatever we are, video game people. Um, us wanting to make content because these announcements and, and showcasing and announced like last minute. How do you plan around that? It's really fucking annoying. Mm. I know it kind of took my, the wind out of my, my sails a little bit there. I feel like that's but, also like a, a learning thing because, you know, just... I refuse to learn. They'll, they'll, they'll probably, I mean, not so much on your part. I mean, on the part of the uh, big publishers and the game developers. And maybe it'll change over time as they sort of adjust to the, I guess, the new reality is that. Hey, they still think be, that E3 is going to come back. They reckon, but. I don't know. I don't know. But, Keelan, you did sort of lead into that. Today, we're going to cover a few uh, stories that did go past us. So, Keelan, you know, you got the ball. May as well keep running. Steel Rising. Yeah. Tell us about Steel Rising because I'm, I'm intrigued by this one. This caught my eye. So many years ago, Jesse, there used to be, I guess, a trend where game developers picked a, a genre that was popular at the time. Generally, in that period of time, it was shooters. And they iterated on it, on the idea of a shooter. They added something interesting and unique to it whether it's something interesting visually or like a gameplay mechanic or like a gimmick or Unique something. shooters? We're, Fuck, this was a while ago, wasn't we're it? We're talking about things Take that like- industry. Uh, fracture, time shift, like all those weird, stupid, dumb, fun, interesting games that they used to make. And oh, yeah. they, would, they would, you know, try and get these games out pretty quickly. Um, and- to enable that, you know, they kept the budget kind of tight and the scope kind of tight and focused and concise. This game reminds me of that in so many different ways. Let me tell you about it. So it's basically a tribute to FromSoft's games. It's a Souls-like. Um, I'd probably say it's pretty similar to Bloodborne in that you got to be real aggressive in the gameplay that they've shown so far. You seem to, uh, defenses op- options are limited, so you've got to just go in there and just attack as as hard as possible it's set in revolution era paris which is like incredible it looks amazing it looks really really interesting and it's a unique setting that we don't see too often uh in video games and i mean the last game i played in that setting was uh assassin's creed unity which was which underrated good game thank you yeah fucking great yeah. game came out with problems when it was fixed that game was sick 100 they handled that really we well get along, also like we get along. the way that they did that <laughs> so y'all people are sleeping on assassin's creed unity decent game now you play as an automaton like this this robot looking thing and uh you basically have a whole bunch of weapons that are sort of built into the the body of this automaton and they kind of come out it looks amazing the the visual design is just really fantastic um, and you are essentially fighting up against a whole bunch of other automatons, evil robots, and blah blah blah. You know that kind of. It thing. reminds me of Dishonored. Yeah, right. Um, a lot of yeah. those, like like the, like the clock tower in, in Dishonored, a lot of those um like steampunk um, yeah. automaton robot like yeah, it's like a robot wearing a hat. It's, what are you yeah, doing? Very it's crazy. interesting visual style. Like and I don't know. I think it looks really nice. It's being developed by this um, company called Spiders, and they are um 
they've been around for a while. They've done a whole bunch of like smaller games, Mars Wars Warlog, um, the Technomancer. I don't know if you ever saw that. I actually played a bit of that back Isn't in the day. Didn't they have a game that came out recently? Didn't they do Greedfall? Greedfall, yeah. yeah. Ah. They did Greedfall. And um, yeah, those games have been sort of gaining in popularity because, like I said before, they don't make games like this anymore. There are not many companies that do this. They don't do um, games that aren't AAA, but not indie either. Um, so the indie realm is great because they can take those genres that you you know and love, like Souls, likes Metro, Metroidvanias, uh, uh, Boomer Shooters, for instance, and they iterate upon it and do something unique but not on this kind of scale. So that's why I think this is so interesting and unique in this kind of space. Um, as far as unique selling point goes, this game is similar to um, Bloodborne, but it has a, a weird, it's like an active reload kind of system. Like in Gears of War, like you, if you reload your gun and you time a second button press of the reload button right, you get extra damage on your bullets and you reload a little bit faster. It's a similar thing to that, so skill-based. If you hit the timing right, you uh, refill your stamina bar completely. So that's like game-changing stuff in like a Soulsborne kind of game. I, yeah. Like, as somebody who's kind of like new to the Soulsborne sort of genre with Elden Ring, that's something I'm surprised I've never really introduced, that that whole like focus trigger trigger thing. Yeah. To give you that little boost because it it does take a lot of skill to get that every time. And I just would love to see players who, so it looks like, you keep attacking your foes in this game and then you can stagger them. And to kind of make sure that you get that stagger, you need to hit that trigger at least once, mm-hmm. I guess, with weaker enemies. I am very intrigued to see really good players play this and just nail that every single time because the combat in this game looks really fluid. I, mm, I'm kind of... It does. It's very fluid. It doesn't flow together yet, but I found individual moves at this automaton does also her design is awesome and there's gonna be some amazing cosplays of it oh god Um, her moveset's really really sick Mm. and i think we mentioned this last year when outriders came out outriders has been in my head because there's a patch coming out it actually looks pretty good yeah i I had a soft thing but we're talking about how like that like double a space kind of doesn't exist anymore yeah it's games are every game either wants to be triple a or as an indie, yeah, it's yeah. There's, there's not, there's no room anymore for like weird experimental games. And you brought up like a really good range from before, like you know, Fracture. I, assume, you know, I can't believe oh. you brought up Fracture because that's, that's stuck in my head now. That was great. I but want this that game. I want a- game looks to fill that void. No, is is it going to be as kind of sharp and clean and precise as a Souls? But no, but it looks more fun. Yeah, that's she's the got thing. two fans that she hits people with, and it turns into a shield at one point. I don't know. I, I just, want to hit people with the fans. I really want to encourage people to look at like unusual, different games because you know things are very homogenized these days. Okay, that's cool. We we get a lot of really high quality titles these days, um, and that's great. But this is just something unique, and you know we don't really see that anymore. And I like the idea of supporting developers who are making these unique uh, experiences and chances are some of my favorite game pass, you know? Yeah. It's a, it's a very game pass it sort is, of game, yeah. um, but like a high level sort of game pass yeah. game. I, uh, I think like some of my favorite games of the last, you know, 10 years have been um, Titanfall two, which I think falls into that sort of double A category of doing something, doing something very different, but doing it better than anyone ever has or ever will. Um, and what's that? 
Wow, what's that game? It's not um, Bloodstorm. Yeah, right. Like it falls into that same gap of it's like, is this the perfect game? No. But is it fun? Is it daring? Does it do some weird shit? Yeah. And I, I, I don't know. Still Rising is a game that I, I didn't actually miss mm. um, during all the showcases. I only looked into it when you brought it up that you wanted to talk about it. And yeah. I'm, yeah, no, this is very much on my radar. This looks like a game that I'll get into. Yeah, it looks fun. Uh, yeah. Regardless of how it turns out, I'll probably give this a crack. That's the thing. I, I think this, in comparison to, I don't know, I guess some of the other double <laughs> A games we've sort of seen in this space, like your, your looter games, like, um, your looter shooters, don't be afraid to say it. Looter shooters. No, no, no. It's a great term. It's a great term. No, no, no. Um, I'm trying to think of, I'm trying to think of that game. I think it was a, uh, was it Babylon's Fool? Don't bring up Godfall. Godfall. Son of a bitch. That was it. Thank <laughs> you, you. Son of a bitch. Uh, Thank you. It was Godfall. Game of the year. Godfall. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know what the G in Godfall stands for? G-O-T-Y. <laughs> Garbage. <laughs> Are you allowed Damn to it. do that, like, legally in the English language? Well, I would say the God, Godfall um, Game of the Year edition coming out September 21st. <laughs> I'm allowed to do that. I'm allowed to do it. Whatever I want, <laughs> but I mean, like so, some of the games that we've seen that have sort of been in that space. Just ignoring everything Jesse has to say at this point. God, uh, God, 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 like, have, have been they? They haven't appealed to me, and I'm not after anything in particular. I just want something that looks like it's going to be a bit fun and a bit, a little bit different, different enough to really sort of separate itself from the pack. And I feel like Steel Rising really does showcase that quite well quite nicely there's a lot to it i'm like oh yeah this looks like this could be pretty cool mm. so I'm, I'm pretty keen speaking of games that i think look pretty cool simon you have one for us a, a classic reborn and it's a classic that i missed out i think the original came out in 94 i want to say yes system shock it's on its way back tell us about it all right so system shock um oh the original incredible game very clunky very archaic now, uh, particularly by modern standards. Still a great game. Still absolutely worth checking out if you can. Uh, definitely get the um, the remix version, whatever it's called. I've completely forgotten all the words now. But cool game. However, even with m some updates and fan patches, it still isn't quite up to modern standards. Still feels a bit weird. Still kind of clunky, still a little bit slow in places where it shouldn't be. We are getting a full-blown remake. Now, we've known about the remake for a little while. There's been a playable demo available for a little while. And there's been quite a lot of feedback, which the developers have been taking uh, into account and, you know, going through what they can and what they think is reasonable and justified. And we are, we've finally got a really good look at the System Shock remake and this is a full-blown remake this isn't a reboot this isn't like a thief reboot this isn't like a tomb raider reboot this is a proper remake from the ground up in a whole new engine as close to the original as they can possibly realistically well, do speaking of the original they actually got the original voice actor for shodan who's like the the evil slightly sexy ai that yeah. you see throughout the trailer who's just like negging you um, yes. And I, I said it before, she's a cyberdom. Um, so I'm going to play this game. It sounds <laughs> fantastic. <laughs> what? This was this was um, kickstarted, wasn't it? I believe it was. Yeah. 
And that's cool. It's what I find really cool about this is that System Shock One is kind of like a fundamental PC game. It's referred to in like the same sort of stories as the original Doom and the original Thief, like Thief Gold. It exists, it coexists with landmark titles like that. The original Deus Ex, like incredible mm. games that really genuinely shaped the future of gaming. Bioshock can trace its DNA back to System Shock and not just in the name. Like These are... It's. I never put that two, that together. God damn it! <laughs> I don't know if I've made things better or worse for you. They, the, the same team, a lot of the same team worked on. Yeah, yeah. They've got we've got a, quite also, a few people coming back for it, which is awesome as well. And I know it's just this feels like something that's going to be really special. Like myself, I watched this trailer and I, look, I'm intrigued. I like the whole evil evil AI thing. It gives me like you know, same thing as like Portal. You know, there's an yeah. AI calling you a dickhead. I like that. Um. <laughs> But the gunplay looked a little bit light. There was no real impact from your weaponry and stuff like that. What makes it not just another first-person shooter? Because it's not about being a first-person shooter. This is a... You are a rat in a labyrinth, and you are being taunted at every single turn. That's the game. Hmm. You are trying to stop Shodan uh, from destroying the world or corrupting all humans with a pathogen or whatever like you're trying to put a stop to their plans however they have you foil one plan that's fine showdown has another four backup plans ready to go and you've got to try and take them all down and as you explore through the space station you come across mutants and cyborgs and genetically engineered weird crap it's really fun and you never ever ever feel like you're in control yeah it was one of the first emergent sims like, like yeah free like um yeah a deus ex almost somewhat yeah yeah, yeah you, absolutely. you're dropping the right games to compare it to to get me you know you said bioshock deus ex and prey yeah um you're inside my brain right now i'm i'm i mean i'm very intrigued i'll be keeping an eye on it yeah at least it's not at the top of my list but you know i got my it's got my curiosity now but to play these games, guys, we're going to need controllers. And if you are an Xbox user or you play PC games with an Xbox controller like I do, you'll be very excited to hear that the Xbox Design Lab has finally, holy shit, why has it taken so long? It's finally come to Australia. If you're not quite sure what the Design Lab is, basically you can design your own custom Xbox controller. Not to the point where it becomes an elite controller, you can customize sort of the faceplate, the color scheme, your buttons, your blah, blah, the color scheme of it. And you can also put some text in it. You can write fuck. I tested it out. <laughs> but you have to kind of put it within some other letters and characters, which cool. Now, um, the relaunch also comes with a bunch of new colors. Um, I've messed around with the American one a bunch of times and it was, it was quite basic, but they've added in soft pink, soft orange, soft green, and soft purple, plus a bunch of camo options, which are shit, because oh, camo has never looked good. Yeah. Obviously, it's never looked good. But you got mineral camo, arctic camo, forest camo, sand glow camo, camo and blaze camo. Um, so in Australia, the controller itself, obviously the base price is the controller, which is 100 bucks. 
Then you got the limited edition faceplates, which is an additional $13. Grips for about eight bucks. Uh, metallic D-pad slash triggers for about six. And engraving, which is the text, for $13. Guys, I don't know what I want from this design lab, but I want something. I'm gonna make a controller from there because I was messing around a fair bit with the design lab today and presentation-wise, Xbox, give yourself a round of applause. This mm. is a very nice, fun app to use. So that you control like in a 3D space, so you can rotate it, see what it's gonna look like from every angle. It one of the things I don't think you could order something and be disappointed with what you're getting because you're seeing it from every angle, so you could be qu quite sure of what you want. Um, Simon, you mess around with it on your mobile as well. Yeah, yeah. So credit to Microsoft, um, the website works actually really well on mobile. It's good. It formats quite nicely. Um, and just straight up works the way you would hope it would. Which for a website like this, which is, you know, a design website, when you're manipulating an object in a 3D space, essentially, that's quite a feat. Like, I've got to give them a fair bit of credit for that. Yeah. And there's no no real lag or latency. It's not like you click to change the color and it takes 10 seconds, and loads and things about it. No, you click it and it just straight away. It was awesome. I've been I've been playing around with it a fair bit myself, and I'm kind of torn because I'm like, ah, oh, I'm creating either one of the ugliest controllers I've ever seen, but I love it, or I've created a really lovely looking controller, but I don't want it. So <laughs> I think all the the safe, good looking options are already out there. So I've got I have that lime neon green controller. And I absolutely adore it. The same <laughs> one that Keelan's holding up. If you want to see Keelan hold up many controllers, we're at Titch. Tw titch? Titch. Tits. Tits.tv. Twitch.tv forward slash story mode AUS. Uh, you can see Keelan hold up a range of controllers. Um, but I, I mean, I, I love it. I think it looks incredible. And then like even going to the PlayStation controllers, I guess I've got uh, the red one and the purple one and the white one at the moment. I'm a big fan of custom controllers. I mean, before we even get too much into the design lab, what are you guys' thoughts on, on custom controllers, paint job-wise? Oh, I love the variety, man. Like, I've got, like, multiple controllers in front of me because I just like <laughs> having just different things. Oh, what's that one? This is the uh, Elite Series 1 uh, Xbox controller. I've got a whole bunch you of other controller I loved? Remember the uh, last year when Halo Infinite? Remember when that game came out? That was oh, crazy. What a wow. week. Um, <laughs> they had that custom Xbox console that came out. But they also had the controller. That Spartan controller looked incredible. I think Xbox is a fair bit ahead of, of Sony and Nintendo yes. when it comes to their own kind of I, quirky design. I really like custom controllers. They do like limited runs of things as well. Like it's pretty difficult to find this nowadays. I have a original like an Xbox One controller as well, and it's got like black and gold accents on a white background with a textured finish along the bot bottom of it, like here. Like, it's really unique. You can't get that anymore anywhere. And I think it looks spectacular. So I, I love custom controllers because it's like the thing that you're interacting with. Like, you, you, you're spending hours holding this thing. You want it to feel nice. You want it to look nice as well, you know? It's great. So just going from feeling nice... These controls are something that I find very interesting is that something you can add is an actual grip. Mm -hmm. that so it's not just purely cosmetic. There is some function to it. Yeah. 
Um, I would love to see them go a little bit further with that. I mean, they have the elite controller. Give us that sort of midway point. I, I would like to see, you know, I want a basic controller, but I do like the flappy paddles. Mm. Of course. Why not? Th- uh, sorry, Simon, what do you think of the uh, custom paint jobs on controllers? I love it. I am also a big sucker for a custom controller because also that I think is a great thing to include in a collector's edition for a game. Yeah. Because it's way cheaper than a whole new goddamn console. And don't get me wrong, I love the custom consoles for limited releases and stuff. I think they look really cool. They're so unrealistic. But yes, they are incredibly unrealistic because the chances are, I don't know, let's say, for example, with Breath of the Wild 2, they do a custom Switch and it will look incredible. I have no doubt about that. But chances are the majority of people that are going to get Breath of the Wild 2 already own a switch exactly if you love a game that much you probably already have the con- it's so predatory i find it, it gross it is and yeah i'm not a massive fan i mean i did get the monster hunter rise limited edition switch um but in my defense that was what a year ago and my original switch i bought at launch like literally on launch don't, day and you know don't defend yourself well we we we, con- we contradict ourselves all the time in the show i'm against like you know pre-order bonuses and like half the shit behind me is pre-order bonuses <laughs> like don't don't listen to us we're three clowns yeah yeah we are affable clowns affable. <laughs> but no like i i absolutely love yeah like my twitch pro controller i i think it's gorgeous but for people listening at home simon's holding up a controller he made himself and it's kind of sad i don't wanna, i don't say no it's it's the monster hunter icon um yeah sure yeah <laughs> Well, that's the thing. We'll put it right in the fridge, mate. This is the problem, though, is that, like, a Switch Pro, like, custom controller, like a genuine custom one, handmade by some lovely, dedicated people, costs, like, triple the amount. And it's so hard to get because most of them are based in the US, and so shipping costs half as much as the controller. I'll make you a controller. What do you want? I'll make one for you. It's just going to be a stick and a couple of rocks, isn't it? You want rocks as well? Yeah. Sorry, is that going to cost extra? Price. So, look, you get the controller by itself, 100 bucks. You get, say, you want to get the faceplate, the grips, the metallic D pad, and some engraving. You're coming to about 150 bucks, give or take, not including shipping. You could get, Keelan, your lime green Xbox controller. What would that cost you? About 70, 80 bucks? About $80. Yeah, about 80 bucks? Yeah. Would you think that having your own custom version of that is worth the additional 70 or so? Yes. Because how else are you going to do it? What are you going to do? Buy a D brand skin? Come on, man. Oh, God, oh, no. no. Jesus Christ. I hate this shit so much. Goddamn edgelords. Enemy of the show. Suck my D brand. <laughs> um, just before we move on, though, from uh, Charles, also worth mentioning there is a uh, new Pride skin. That they release as well um, for the for the Xbox controller. Um, I've seen a lot of people saying, "Oh, this is really cool," and a lot of my queer fr- queer friends fucking hate it. Yeah, <laughs> just, I, I've, it's I've, it's a lot of colors. Wow, yes. it's a lot. But the thing it's is, a lot. is that like yeah, and most of it can be tied back to the LGBTQT community and a lot of the different flags that they have, and that in and of itself is great and genuinely great for representation. But I do not know a single person, a single 
member of that community that looks at that controller and goes, yeah, I want everything on that. If they want something that's representative, they want it to be more representative of them, whether it's, you know, yeah. bi or queer or trans. Whatever. I'm not sure, though, like, uh, if... I think a portion of it does go to charity. I believe so. so. I, I am under that impression, but I'm not certain. Um, but so if it is, buy the controller, I say. Kind of tempted to now. Um, yeah, see, now you have to. Yeah. Or otherwise, you're against charity. We all heard it from the podcast. <laughs> um, let's move on, because we did mention the Switch before. Keelan, a, a beloved, soon-to-be Vin Dieselized franchise... Is coming to the Switch. Yes. Ark. You're right. Tell us more. I love Ark. If you put dinosaurs into any genre of game, it makes it better. Okay? That's Ark's a ground discreet. rule. Uh, theme Excel park Primal, simulation. Baby! Plus dinosaurs. Jurassic World Evolution. Fantastic. Adventure, third-person action adventure games. Plus dinosaurs. Horizon. Fantastic. Survival sims. Plus Dinosaurs, Ark, Survival Evolved. Amazing game. Movie tying games, add in dinosaurs, you get the best part of the King Kong game that came out in 2002 oh, or so. Remember fighting them with a spear and they break? You're like, oh, Dude, I'm done. I need to get that game. Okay. Anyway, back on topic of Ark. Uh, some of the worst ports I've ever seen to any console ever. Absolutely abhorrent performance. Like, it's terrible on PC. It's terrible on Xbox. But... All of those ports, as bad as they were, were nowhere near as bad as the Switch port. Have you guys seen the original Switch port of Ark? It's not great. Yeah. It, it, Look, uh, just I don't want to bury the lead here too much. It's not as bad as another port I saw recently. <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> All right. Well, it is absolutely disgusting. And... um. I think Digital Foundry did a big expose on it and were basically like, this is the lowest resolution game we've seen since uh, the GameCube and PlayStation 2 era. So, Holy this crap. is really I, bad. I missed Yikes. that. <laughs> it looks, it's terrible. It, it's muddy. It's a mess. You literally can't understand anything. And Ark is quite a complex game. Um, mm. It's huge. There's yeah, so massive. much going on. And there's so much like in terms of like crafting and that type type of thing, uh, skill trees, that kind of thing. There's a lot going on. The UI just did not work on the Switch version. It was really sad. Good news. The developer studio Wildcard have decided we're going to do this over. We're going to do this fresh. We're going to start again. We're going to report the game, rewrite it from the ground up. Um, and it's going to use the latest version of Unreal Engine 4. We're going to re-release it on the Switch we're going to um, get someone else to handle this. We're not going to do it in-house. We're going to get a really good uh, studio to develop this port. And everyone who purchased the game previously gets this update over the over the, the air for free, essentially. Your oh, progress cool. carries over, which is important because this is the kind of Ooh. game where, like, dude, like a lot goes into building your communities, your settlements and that kind of stuff and taming dinosaurs. It can take hours. Um, and you can, yeah, just easily uh, switch from the old version to the new version. That's all amazing news. But the real curiosity... Wait, wait, sorry, Keelan, that, sound, that does sound fantastic, but please, <laughs> which studio has the skill and power yeah, the, and just the expertise to do this? The real curiosity about this is uh, <laughs> <laughs> the studio that was chosen 
The studio that received the contract to port this is Grove Street Games. Hell mm. yeah! Mm. Uh, the guys, the Redemption Arc. Well, yes, well, it might be the Redemption Arc. Nice, Simon. I, I see what you did there. Um, Holy shit, that was, was good. Slick. That went right past me. <laughs> that was real I thought slick. that was just like a sentence. That was a joke. That was a good one as well. <laughs> I, I think there is quite the potential for this to be the thing that earns the developer that kind of respect back. Uh, Grove Street Games showed the game off during the E3 week. And what they showed looks honestly fantastic for a Switch game. It looks incredible. It's on par with the Xbox One version. It looks very, very similar to the Xbox One version. And that's saying something for a portable console. They're also hand, uh, um, putting in a whole bunch of new features, including something that I think is really interesting. I, I like this because it's a feature in Assassin's Creed games. It's a young explorers mode. And essentially, it's like an educational mode where you can learn about the, the prehistoric dinosaurs, the creatures <laughs> that um, are in the game. What about learn about them? They have fucking lasers attached to their heads and shit. It's not the it's not the robot versions, Jesse. It's the, the regular version. We, the 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 real, we used head. to be a real fucking country, okay? We used to have robot dinosaurs. Alright, I used to have like a cool tent. Or the whole thing. It's um so the the most fascinating thing is like, look, Grove Street Games look to be doing a pretty decent job of this. And I don't know, could this be the the thing that turns them around? This would be a redemption so. story on par with Halo games and No Man's yeah. Sky. Because, yeah. like, looking at this, I was blown. I, I didn't know who was behind it uh, before I saw the footage. I the footage, I'm like, okay, this looks impressive. Because I remember it, it did get ported. I didn't know how bad that port was until I subsequently looked it up. Um, I, I love that they were going to be like, look, we, f- we fucked up. So you're, if you've already bought that version, sorry, we'll give you this for free, your, your progress carriers. That is brilliant. That's how to I, do I it. love, absolutely love to see that. Um, but in one of the interviews they had with the team, they were saying that we, yeah, we've shown this off to a few different outlets and stuff like that. And everyone who's played the game has been confused by it, but in a good way of how have you fit that into this it's like when you see a person fold up an actual like a sleeping bag and fit it back into the bag how have you (laughs) done this it doesn't make any sense i I played arc a fair bit when i first built my pc because i just just wanted something to mess around with uh i I quite enjoyed it but the scope of the game is massive because i mean i jokingly talked about the robotic dinosaurs you have your normal dinosaurs and your actual animals and your robot animals and your robotic dinosaurs like all these different phases you got monsters and dragons blah 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 weapons bleh there are these constant phases that keep getting updated in the game. And it made it a very bulky mm-hmm. thing with different biomes, different weather systems. It's huge. To fit that on the Switch is remarkable. Like, to be fair, though, we've seen them port some quite large games. Top of my head, I'm thinking of the Assassin's Creed games, yeah. where I've seen footage of them and they've looked good. But then as an entire package, it hasn't worked because of how big it is. I'm worried that could happen here, but based on what we've seen so far, Growth Through Games, well done. Yeah. Good stuff. Yeah. And great work getting the UI working on the Switch because that must have been a challenge on the scale of the game itself. Like, wow. Yeah, I bet. <laughs> well, let's move on to a 
much, much anticipated indie title. Simon, we got to see some Silk Song. Silk Song, baby! Finally. Finally. Classic saying. (laughs) Classic (laughs) motto. Yeah. I mean, look, myself and about half of the gaming fandom. Next December, you walk through the streets of Kyoto and all you can hear is, Silk Song, baby! (laughs) (laughs) You'll be like, oh, there he is. Found him. Oh, apples at you. Yeah. But tell us about Silk Song. Um, Okay. So the highly anticipated sequel to Hollow Knight, the critically acclaimed Metroidvania developed by the incredible Australian Team Cherry, which also... Adelaide, aren't they? I believe so. I believe so, yeah. Best thing to come out of Adelaide. So they initially promised a handful of DLCs to come along with Hollow Knight, and they delivered on all of those apart from one, which was meant to be a side story following one of the recurring bosses and characters in Hollow Knight. Um, And the reason why they didn't deliver on that is because the DLC that they wanted to do kept growing and growing and growing into an entire second game. The last time we saw something about Silksong was during a Nintendo Direct. A few years back now. And since then it's been radio silence. We haven't heard anything about it. The stuff that they showed off during the Nintendo Direct looked really good. Um, Obviously, it's got that Team Cherry polish and... It's hard to tell how far along in development that was because, obviously, it's Team Cherry. They're going to polish that stuff to perfection before showing even a little bit of it. Then we got a bit more of a look during the Xbox Bethesda showcase, which came as a massive surprise Hmm. because last we heard was from a Nintendo Direct. Cool, now it's coming to Game Pass as well, which is brilliant. I want this game on everything. I've bought it twice. I will I will buy Silk Song twice as well. Like that's how good Hollow Knight is. And yeah, it's just it's a inc- I will say incredible the, game. The 30 minutes I put into Hollow Knight were a good 30 minutes. Yeah. It's I will get back to it one day. It is one of those games that you've got to really just let yourself take your own time to go through it. It's an incredible Metroidvania. It's tough. It's dark. The atmosphere is really depressing. But the, the music's sto- great. The music is incredible. The story is mm. brilliant. The actual moment-to-moment gameplay is just, again, like, perfectly tuned. This game, like, Hollow Knight in and of itself is just incredible. And so now we're getting a sequel which is focusing on a different character with a slightly different moveset. And different head. Yes, yeah. <laughs> it's two spikes. It's so wait, okay, wait. I'm gonna wind things back for a little, a little bit. I'm gonna ask you because Keelan, you're a big Hollow Knight fan oh, as well, yeah. right? Ask the questions. What am I? Because I'm fighting bugs. What am I? Am I a bug? I I presume yes. so. Yes, you are. All right. So this this uh, Silk Song is a different bug. Yes, so in Silk Song, okay. you are playing as Hornet, the princess protector of... Got to throw it out there. She's not a Hornet. I've seen Hornets before. 
She is not a hornet. That's not a descriptor. It's her name. I yeah. don't know. <laughs> okay, that's fair enough. Um, and with that being said, she is much nicer than most hornets. Hornets are evil, evil I, I, f- I saw it cause some trouble in this trailer. This trailer is dope. The combat is smooth as hell. Yeah. Um, and what got me really excited for? Like, the platforming looks fine. It's it's good. It's it's good. It's good platforming. Um, it didn't do really anything for me, but these boss fights and more precisely the boss designs, I am all about because what it reminds me of is like an evil slot, like a, like a goth version. I remember there's um I can't remember the exact. Name of it. It's an Australian thing. There's little gum nut people. Any, any, anyone? No, I've got no idea. What on earth are you talking about? Oh, there's these little gum nut people. It's, it's like a famous Australian like book or, or or something. I'm gonna Google it. I'm gonna Google it live on air. That's uh, okay. Australian gum nut people. Oh, we're doing this, okay. Okay, yeah, this is happening. It says gum nut people. That that's not May helpful. G- oh wait, we're in audio. May Gibbs, May Gibbs, the iconic Australian children's author and illustrator who wrote the classic gum nut babies stories. These are gum nut babies. Okay, they grow up the gum nut people. I still have no little, idea. What little little, about. little babies. They got little gum nuts in their head. They hide behind a leaf. They sit inside of a uh, inside of a bushel. I don't even know what gum nut is. So. What the fuck? <laughs> you don't know what a gum nut is? No, I can't picture it off the top of my head. I'm sure if you showed me Simon, one and went, hey, this is a gum nut, Google, I'd be like, okay, Google yeah. a gum nut right now before I put one in the chat. Uh, <laughs> I want to see a live reaction. This is this is real life, folks. This Englishman is going to see a gum nut for the first time. Oh, <laughs> it's like the worst, that's that's the worst porn is. heading I've ever heard. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Okay, that's Englishman sees gum nut for the first time. Okay, that's what gum nut is. Okay. The gum nut, the little nut. Yeah. Put your gum in there. But there's these little babies that live in there, according to Mae Gibbs. Anyway, what I'm trying to say for those three people out there who listen to this and say, like, oh, I know who bloody Mae Gibbs is. It, fuck, just talk about Silk Song. Goddamn yeah. clowns. <laughs> Speak. Doesn't know what a gum nut is. Anyway, um, so if, during the, the big feed. Okay. <laughs> okay. Thank you. <laughs> during during the base game of Hollow Knight, you fight Hornet a couple of times. Uh, she's incredibly strong. She's incredibly quick, and just some of her movements are fantastic. And yeah, it's just really cool that we're finally getting a full game dedicated to her. Um, I'm really looking forward to seeing because some of her movements and some of the acrobatics and stuff that she can pull off, like Hollow. Uh, sorry, that Hornet can pull off. Just awesome. I'm just really excited for this because having gone back to Hollow Knight after playing Metroid Dread, which is maybe a slightly unfair comparison, I acknowledge, uh, one of my biggest issues with Hollow Knight is that I felt like a lot of the movement was quite, almost a little bit too slow. Um, To climb up to, you know, to get to a boss fight, for example, you have to climb up one area entirely and then you've got to go through another area you know, and that goes on for two minutes and you've got to climb down the third area and then you reach the boss arena. And that jumping, because it is so precise and it is so finely tuned, 
is in and of itself quite a challenge and it's fun for that reason. But when you've died three times to this boss and you're like, I just want to get back to it and just kill this guy, it becomes a little bit tedious. And I think the way Hornet... Question for you, Simon. Go on. Did you ever think about getting better at the game? No, because I'm challenging myself (laughs) by not being good. I've given myself an extra... See, what I did was I gave up. (laughs) (laughs) Can't struggle if you give up. You know, the thing that, like, I was thinking... God damn, how long is it going to take them to make this freaking game? Seriously, it's taking forever. What I didn't realize, because Hornet is bigger than the the knight in Hollow Knight, they had to redo everything about the environments. Oh, wow. Everything about like the platforming, all of that. They had to do all of that again from scratch to accommodate for her size. Um, new enemies, new everything. Like, and their their attacks have got to be different to challenge you in this with this new character model. You know, like that is an amazing undertaking. I'm so excited to play this because it's it's going to be a, a very very different game. I really appreciate that attention to detail at the studio. Mm. That's that's, that's oh. good shit. Like, I'll just make you fun of the game a little bit. But I, I'm I'm very intrigued by this game, and as often happens. There are a lot of franchises and games that I haven't played or I, I'm not interested in. But I get very happy when I see my mates get very excited for it. And seeing, like, you know, our buddies in, in dialogue options, mainly Kyron, losing his shit over <laughs> this. And then Simon, you're on Twitter losing mine over Everyone was losing their mind over this. Despite the fact we didn't even get, we didn't even get a, um, a release date. Nope. Everyone thought that we would. We do know that it releases within the next 12 months, but being part of that Bethesda Xbox Showcase. They're very clear about every, all the games you see today are going to be released within playable in the next 12 months. And a few people did follow that up on social media with the Xbox account saying, yep, deal with it. But we didn't get a date. So I think even the team's not 100% sure because they are absolute perfectionists. They are. They're really cherry picking what they want in the game. Hey, uh-huh. hey. Yeah, I got jokes. But no, genuine, genuine shout out. If Hollow Knight... Um, like if Silk Song was one of those games that sort of piqued your interest a little bit, do play the original. It's available on PC, through Steam, through Game Pass. Therefore, it's on Xbox as well. It's also on Switch. It's also on PlayStation Store. Get it, play it. It is brilliant. I could, I fully, fully shill for this company, for this developer. Dear listeners, he's brilliant. actually he's actually not talking to you. Then he's talking directly to me. Yeah. Um, and I appreciate that. Get it, get it on all of those platforms, Jesse. Every single one. Speaking of one, <laughs> The Last of Us Part 1 is coming out soon. Uh, now, this is obviously a, a remake of the, the 2013 game of the year, The Last of Us. Uh, one of the greatest games ever made. Did it remake, what, nine years later? We've known about this for a while, but we finally got a proper look at things and we got a few looks at, at the the scope of what this remake is. And we've discussed this before. When this first got announced, I was kind of in two minds. I will, I will be playing this. Of course, I'm going to be playing this. I love Naughty Dog games. I love The Last of Us. But it was one of the things, I feel like I only played it through it yesterday and those emotional scars are still very much there. <laughs> However, after seeing this trailer, I am sold because this is a legit remake. This is on you know the same scale as you know the recent like Resident Evil games who 
that just look unrecognizable almost. So maybe it's not quite at that level, but just the, the upgrade in fidelity and quality is worth playing through the game again, for me at least. So this will be coming out September 2nd this year for PS5, also in development for PC, very, very interested about. Guys, I know of the three of us, I'm the, the Last of Us fan. What do you think of of of, of this remake? Um, okay, I'll go. When you put it side by side, next to Last of Us uh, remastered from what twenty fourteen or fifteen, whenever it came out, yeah. Um, and you look at like Ellie's character model, for instance. She looks barely human in the remastered one. It's like comical how like over the top and stupid she looks. Like it's not, it's, I, I don't buy it. Um, you put the, you compare the facial animation technology that they use these days and you compare it to what they were using back then. It's, it's a completely different league, dude. Um, the new, the new trailer really did a good job of showing off how much of an advancement there's been, but it didn't make it easy to see exactly. Like you had to slow that down. You had to look at it like inch by inch, pixel by pixel to realize like, actually, you know what? Wow, Joel's upper lip did not move in the original. And in this one, it's like a wrinkling and shit, you know? Like it looks, it looks incredible, but it's really hard to see that when you're sitting there watching it on your phone or something, you know? So I think a lot of people reacted. Wait, 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 wait. A lot of that's why you watch it on your phone for once. Because I that is the primary device that I use to interact with the, yes. the internet, just now, like millions of people across the world. Fair so enough. I'll let me finish fair my enough. Point. But trailers are not made for mobile. Oh phones. my god, Jesse! Come. So, um, <laughs> come on. So just like millions of people across the world, when I first saw it, I'm like, oh yeah, it's all right, I guess. Like, it's fine. Like, when I watched Top Gun Maverick on my Tamagotchi. This is really necessary. But looking at it closer, yeah, absolutely it's necessary. So you see a lot of wave of reaction where people are like, oh, man, this is, like, unnecessary. The game looked fine before. Like, yeah, it did look fine, but it looks great now. So I'm not going to say no to that. And um, if this is, this is like, PlayStation's pinnacle of narrative single-player storytelling, right? This is the kind of thing that they just want to keep, probably want to keep up to date for like modern consumers. Like they're making a big foray into PC. If you released the 2015 Last of Us on PC, people would be laughing at it. Like no offense or anything. But this was the right call for Sony to make. It looks great. I'm looking forward to it. I'll play it again. I'll buy it again. I have a weird conspiracy in my head about this game. Aye. I think they did this to make announcing number three more palatable or easier. Look, number two got a lot of hate. And look, if you hate on two for reasons, go fuck yourself. I think number two was fantastic. Though there are some valid criticisms about it, but a lot of it was not. Not cool, some of the shit that came out um, regarding the game. But I think going back and bringing number one on to the same kind of playing field as number two, which just like in regards to graphical fidelity, the animation, the everything in that game was so much better. Bring it on par, renaming it. I think the, the renaming is quite a lot. There's, there's something mm. to that, the part one. It's now mm-hmm. part one. Yeah, yeah. 
I think bringing them all up to a certain level makes sense that you have number three come after it. So they're all of that same sort of ilk. Jesse. To me, uh, yes. No, no I've. Maybe, maybe there's something to that. I thought yeah. they were ma- mo- mostly doing it to allow it to have a release in time for the TV show. Look, that too, but I think, I kind of think that's almost counterintuitive as well. Mm-hmm. So the TV show, they've come out very strongly said, look, this isn't going to follow the game beat by beat. It's a bit, a bit of a retelling. I wish that they did something completely different within the universe, but whatever. It's going to be a slight retelling. I think maybe reminding people too much of the original game will draw that really shitty criticism of like, this isn't the exact story I've already played before, mm. which we've had recently with like Halo, for example. Uh, there's, look, there's a lot of complaints uh, about Halo, but I think the one of like, this is a different story that I've heard before is, a, is to me, isn't a worthwhile complaint. While, while I've, your takes, yeah, that's valid because people yeah. will react like that for sure. Um, I still think like... At the end of the day, for the people at Sony, they're like, hey, <laughs> The Witcher made a shit ton of money when we did that thing. Like, you know, they sold oh, yeah, tons no, of uh, copies of the game. Why, why wouldn't we just do this again? It oh, no, no. I, I'm just saying I, I wonder if that's going to happen. But no, it, it is for, it for the show as well. Yeah. Um, it, look, this thing's going to sell like hotcakes. The limited edition version, which comes with a bunch of little tweaks and blah, blah, hmm. extra guns and shit, has sold out already. Uh People hype for this. 100%. So I think there's a very loud minority of people who are just like, why does this game have to be a dickhead? Um, but I think most people who have played the original are excited for this one. I, I'm i kind of torn. Part of me thinks this is not necessary because I sort of fall more into the camp that remakes are at their best when they are bringing a new game. Well, sorry, bringing an old game to a new audience. System Shock Remake being a prime example of that. Like, this is an old classic game, which if you try and play now with modern gaming in mind, it falls apart really quickly. And isn't Have you tried to play the original Last of Us? Yeah, it's not that bad. It's not great, though. I mean, yeah, but it's not awful. And by any measure, like, it's not un- unwieldy, it's not unplayable, It's not. it's nothing... Like, yeah, sure, there's a few issues here and there, but nothing major. And it's available on three generations of PlayStation consoles. Hell yeah. It's not hard to obtain. It's not difficult to find. It's not like, you know, it was super limited or anything like that. Whereas, you know, again, with older games, people lose them, they break, whatever. It gets harder and harder to get that gaming experience. And so I think from that perspective, this remake is entirely unnecessary. I think it's actually genuinely a little bit self-indulgent of Sony. Do I think that in and of itself is a bad thing, though? No, because I think that, like, as you said, Keelan, when you do the comparison, hot damn, this looks brilliant. This is gorgeous. And bringing it to PC as well. You had me in the first half, not going to lie. Yeah, <laughs> got you. And I, but I stand by that. I, I sort of have my feet planted firmly in both camps here in the sense that I think from a accessibility perspective, entirely unnecessary. There are older games that could really do with that new, brand new, 
fresh coat of, coat of paint, that new release schedule, modern sensibilities, really bringing it up to modern standards. So but just to clarify something though, by accessibility, you obviously mean availability. Both. Like you barely get the game very easy. Well, from the other actual accessibility for people to even play the game, I think that this is actually a really important re-release. Yes. Because yes, Naughty Dog, there is a gulf between Last of Us one, Last of Us oh, and yes. Last of Us Part Two. Mm. There's an absolute gulf. Naughty Dog went from you know, sort of best in their field to redefining the field. Yeah. Last of Us Two is such a momentous achievement that I kind of like that they're there. I think self-indulgent is the right term for it. They're just like, we are that good. We'll we do it. And also, we'll do it better though. Simon, you- and we'll we'll include, you know, the accessibility options for uh, part two were incredible. Yeah, there could have been some people who were able to play part two when they would play part one. Yeah. I love the fact that they can now. That's, that's, that's amazing. You, you spoke about, um, you know, remakes needing, like, you know, introducing something to a new audience. They are. They're doing that with the PC gamers. And yeah, we yeah, know absolutely. what PC gamers are like. So you've got to put angry, your best foot forward. <laughs> That's also <laughs> a very valid comment. <laughs> See, I'm, I'm still within those two camps. I was like, do we need this? And I keep coming back to the point, and I think you, you mentioned kind of this term, is it necessary? But then I kind of find pause here. And maybe this is just because I've become a little bit older and I've become uh, more thoughtful, I guess, with gaming. But when you start work, trying to think about what games are necessary, you're not going to love the answer to the question. <laughs> Absolutely. Because none of them are. They are all... Art is self-indulgent. You know? Yeah. Art isn't necessary. It is what makes things better. Hmm. And that's what games do. For me, they make, you know, day-to-day bullshit better and and tolerable. Um, so if they want to re-release something, go for it. If I don't want it as a consumer, I won't get it. They could re- remake a game that came out last year. I just don't have to buy it. There's no point in me going on the internet and stomping up and down and saying, oh, the original. I've seen people online comparing to say they released photos of Tess. Um, from the original and from the new version. The new version looks lifelike. Yep. It's incredible yeah, what they've done. Yeah. They're like, duh, I think the original looks a bit better. Shut up. No, you don't. Shut the I, fuck I up. I saw someone you tweeting about? about how she had lost her aggressive edge. <laughs> what does that I even mean? If you don't want to play the game, don't play the game. Don't distance yourself from the rules of reality to hate in a game that you're not going to buy. Yeah. What are you doing? I don't know. I don't know. It's been one of those um, weeks regarding The Last of Us, which, um, again, a lot of this stems from a lot of people's thoughts on the characters and moments within um, The Last of Us Part 2, aka a lot of sexism and homophobia. And it's kind of been like, I have to hate the franchise because that's my brand as a person. If that's your brand as a person, reinvent yourself. Try again. Become like a sports guy. Maybe become a cook. Become better. Read a book. Just <laughs> go read <laughs> that goddamn Australian gum nut people book, okay? <laughs> grow, grow yourself another heart. If your brand is rooted in hating on minorities in general, really, whether it's racism, homophobia, like however 
you want to colour yourself. First off, don't make that your brand. Secondly, become a better person. And thirdly, shut Fuck up. <laughs> like, no it's one It's been cares. so painful to see. Like, I want to see people, like, genuinely talk about it. I think yeah. there, is a, there is an interesting discussion that we had regarding this game. Like, it's place. Like, is this going to be set the standoff? We will see some newer games get remade and remastered. Um, but I, yeah, it's, it's an odd one. Look, it's out of curiosity. Top of my head, I'm just, I'm trying to think of another game that came out 10-ish years ago that's getting remastered or remake or whatever. When did The Witcher 3 come out? 2015. And that's getting a remaster or remake? No, it's neither of those. It's just... Or just a re-release. A re-release with ray tracing yeah. and okay. slightly improved yeah, graphics. Ah, damn it. I'm going to have to wait for something to patch in. Um, uh, what, what, who plays The Witcher? Henry Cavill. Yeah, Henry Cavill. Henry Cavill's a fine ass. <laughs> Mod that in the game. Sell it for $1,000. I want a PC building <laughs> minigame inside of The Witcher 3 uh, Next Gen Edition. Thanks. If they got Henry Cavill to the PC um, uh, builder, like, three. <laughs> and you make it. It's like, have you seen him build a PC? He lives in, like, a little cottage. Yeah. it's He's the type of person you go to his house and he'll give you tea on, like, a little little cozy, little gunlock person. Right. <laughs> and everything. Full on proper it's, teapot. It's funny because he apparently missed his call for Superman because he was busy raiding in World of Warcraft. <laughs> Which, I fucking love him. Beautiful. I, I'm such a big fan of fans off a show or movie or whatever being part of it. Yeah. I've, I've recently... Look, this is something I should have said at the start of the episode because when we don't talk about bullshit. I started watching Miss Marvel, which is the best Marvel Disney property by far. It's only two episodes so far. And I, I had... Adore it. Um, but the woman who plays Miss Marvel um, was saying that she was getting in trouble on set because she was watching WandaVision on her phone <laughs> and she was like cheering moments and getting angry and stuff like that. And then um, uh, who's the dude who, uh, Kevin Feige, mm. came over to her and got angry because he's like, you don't watch that on a phone. I'm going to get you a TV. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I respect that so much. But then you got like, you know, Henry Cavill with The Witcher. Um Oh, that dude from Doctor Who, something Smith, who was like a fan of the show and then became the Doctor. Oh, which is Matt, Matt Smith. Effort. And also, um, Matt Smith, yeah. That happened with um, David Tennant as well. Like, David Tennant mm. was a massive Doctor Who fan. Like, huge, huge Doctor Who fan. What we're saying basically is if you're, if you're a fan of something, enjoy it. If you're not a fan of something, move along. Yeah. You don't have to be a fan of everything. Don't, don't take up but- the space in the discourse. Just to spew hatred for but, people that are more interesting than you. If you want to be a fan of something, be a fan of us. Go check us out on Spotify and iTunes where you're there. Leave us a review. If you're a fan of us, it'll be a five-star review. Wink, wink. Um, the legit reviews actually help us a lot. But give us a yeah, listen, subscription, and tell your friends, blah, blah, blah. Uh, of course, while you're there, check out the rest of the Fan Critical Podcast. These beautiful people have shows about movies and TV shows. We just talked about The Witcher. They reviewed The Witcher. Go back and listen to it. If you want your video game news, storymodegaming.com. If you want to keep up to date with us on socials, we're on Facebook, Twitter, 
and Instagram at StormedAUS. Of course, we have our Twitch streams, like this very podcast you're listening to was originally recorded on twitch.tv forward slash StormedAUS. We have a bunch of other game uh, streams. We've got some Monster Hunter. We've got probably some Final Fantasy. Simon, I know you too well. Um, I think this weekend... I'm feeling a little bit itchy to play some Jack Daxter to celebrate the uh, PlayStation Plus launch. So uh, make it nasty with that. We'll do our AFL streams as well. So keep an eye out for all of that. Uh, and if you want to follow us individually on Twitter, I'm at Jesse Spanner and Simon's at SI421. And of course, you can catch Twitter at Twitter support. Um, send him photos of gum nuts if you want. <laughs> but... With that, I think we've—I better say—we've cleaned the floor of e, of key three, but we haven't. We have barely yes. scraped the. There's so much so good much. shit was announced. Oh, look, we may have to do another one of these in a week or so, just to really. There, there are a dozen more games I want to talk about, um, and that was cutting cutting it down. I really want to talk about Cocoon. Come on, um, but look, we'll see what we do in the next few weeks. Simon, Keelan, always a pleasure. Hope you had some fun. Absolutely. Thank Thanks, you. Thanks, guys. And everyone listening, hope you had some fun. Hope you maybe heard about a game that you didn't hear about um, last week and it caught your attention. Um, or you hate me for saying you should like Last of Us. Who knows? But go play some games. Stay safe. And we'll catch you next time. Bye. 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 Oh, a little bit of time.